When you're developing your international business, one thing is often forgotten, cultural differences. The Culture Matters International Business Podcast does exactly that. Focus on international business and cultural differences. Chris and Peter guide you through the maze of business and cultural differences in every podcast episode. Get the global perspective here at the Culture Matters International Business Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. My name is Chris Smith. And I'm Peter van der Lende. You're listening to the Culture Matters Podcast on International Business. We are on episode uh, 151. If you haven't subscribed, you can do so now on culturematters.com. And what is the topic of today, Chris? Today we are talking about how to do business in India or how is business being conducted in India. India, And we're not, of course, this is a, is a vast and broad subject and we can't cover everything, but we're going to so, sort of highlight some, some points. Um, and because being the biggest democracy in the world, uh, India as such, with a projected growth percentage, even during these Corona times. And by the way, recording dates for this podcast, for your, for those of you who are listening in the future, is February 18, 2021. So the growth percentage is estimated to be 6 to 8% per year. And at this moment, uh, as, as if these pro- projections eventually come true, then India will be outpacing China for the first time as well. Um, so with this growth percentage, it is a country to reckon with. And then um, in this case, of course, within this Culture Matters podcast on international business, we are paying attention to the implications of doing business in India. We will touch on a number of things. But before that, I'd like to link back to uh, episode podcast number 148. If you haven't listened to that one, I'm, I'm inviting you to listen to that one, one 148, which was titled doing business with the United States. Um, there was a recent article in The Economist about the, uh, and, and I'm talking about Corona because it's hard to avoid still, the, um, that the uh, one of the biggest countries in, in the Anglo-Saxon world, of which the UK is one, is miles and ways and miles ahead of the continent in terms of um, uh, vaccinating its its uh, public, the recent what I recently uh, read in the in the Economist, I think there are close to 13 or 15 million people of the population, while Europe is running behind, the rest of Europe is running like behind like no tomorrow, of course. So I just wanted to point that out that sometimes indeed the Anglo Saxons are ahead and sometimes they're behind. The UK was pretty slow in in taking action, but now they have taken action and they're just going ahead full blaze um, with inoculating their population. I just wanted to point that out again. Check it out on that podcast 148 as well. There's a webinar about that as well, which you can find on culturematters.com and uh, just browse around and you'll find some more stuff around that as well. Talking about webinars, on the 2nd of March, 2021, and this is, uh, well, it's coming up soon, we are doing a webinar on the same topic, doing business with India, or how do you do business with India? So that's something to uh, to reckon with and to consider as well. If you considered subscribing, you can do that pretty directly. Go to culturematters.com slash webinar. Simply matter, go culturematters.com slash webinar. You'll find the information, you'll find some time zones, and you'll find a registration button and we will make this a Zoom meeting as it's called. All right, now in this case, in this podcast, we're not going to focus on on the four primary, um, um, how do you say, dimensions of culture. 
which in this case would be hierarchy, individualism, uh, or collectivism on the other side, goal orientation and predictability. For me, for us, these are the four primary dimensions of culture that we talk about. We're not specifically going to talk about a dimension. We're going to touch on a sub on on, a, uh, on some business items that have to do with either one of those four dimensions. Um, and the first point that I would like to um, uh, to point out here is is that typically for Indians, and in comparison to uh, say the Western world, the Western world being Western Europe, North America. Not South America, uh, not or not Latin America, uh, but yes, Australia is included in that. New Zealand is in that. Is included in that. Asia is not included in that. Uh, the so in a, in a country like India, there uh, there's a, a concept whereby relationship over task. So in other words, the relationship is more important than the task. That does not mean that the task is unimportant. That's not what it is. The task is important, but who you know is actually a lot more important. Um, so it's, it's, the, it's the network that you have that gets things done. And um, part of that, an implication of that is, is that if you have relationships, of course, things can go wrong within those relationships. And here in the West, here in the West, I'm talking about uh, Peter being in Atlanta, and the U.S. and myself being in in uh, in Europe, in uh, close to Brussels in Belgium, is is that um, we can have a fight and we can feel guilty, and we use the term loss of face, but it's not something that we really experience. And if you if you sort of dissect the item, the the concept of loss of face, you need somebody else around you to actually lose your face. I hope that makes sense, Peter. I mean, if you if you look in the in the mirror, what you see is not you; it's a reflection of you, and so it's a mirror of you. So it's not really you. If you are surrounded by other people, you can lose face, but you need other people for around that. Now, in the Western world, being very relatively individualistic compared to India, at least, um, you, we can feel guilty, and I don't need anybody else around me to feel guilty. I don't need you, Peter, around me to feel guilty. I can do that perfectly on my own. But in order to lo to lose face, this is um, it's it, it, that it lo loss of face is a real concept. Now, um, how do you prevent loss of face? I'll tell you a story in a moment, a personal story about my about what happened to me. Um, um, because I have been married to an Indian, somebody from Calcutta, uh, for 10 years. And, um, so how do you, how do you prevent loss of face? Preventing loss of face in a business situation is, is a way to not single out individuals, not point, pinpoint at individuals and say, what's your problem? Or you tell me what you think. Because it's not the it's not the you thinking, it's the we thinking that's important. So what happened to me once I was in I was on holiday in um, in Calcutta with my wife with with my in laws if you want, and at a certain moment my wife steps up to me and says, Chris, at three o'clock, my the sister of my mom, so her her uncle her, her aunt, wanted to meet me. She wanted to meet this Western guy, me in this case, and I thought, well, hang on, I'm here for two weeks. This is my holiday. And, and so who are you to sort of interfere with my holiday? And besides that, if the, if the, the sister of your mother wants to see me, then at least the mother can ask me. No, that's, well, for me, that would make perfect sense. 
but then I so and 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 my idea initially was I'm going to go to downtown and, and go into the city and just you know uh, do whatever I wanted to do on my own because it was my time, individualistic time. And then I thought again, and I thought like if I would do that, if I were not to be there, if this family of of my mother-in-law would arrive, then loss of face would have would have existed, would have happened for one for my wife because she couldn't convince me to stay. Second, for my mother-in-law, um, who invited her sister to come and have a look at me. Um, and also, of course, for that, that sister-in-law, the aunt of my wife. And so by for me, for me, if I would, if I if I were, if I was going away, if I were to have gone away, then I would have caused loss of face for three people just just by following my own individualistic self uh, self yep. drive, if you want. So yep. I decided. I did, in the end, I decided to stay. And um, uh, so, yes, the family showed up. Of course, they show up late because time is a, has a different concept there, as it is in many collectivistic countries. And um, so they spoke English, and they spoke English with me for about. I guess five to 15 minutes or something. Where are you from? How are you doing? How do you like it here? All that good stuff. And then they, they just went on rattling on in their, in their own Bengali language, which is one of the official language of the state of West Bengal. Um, and, uh, and I was done. I wasn't even looked at anymore. And in the end they said goodbye, but that was it. So but you prevented, you prevented the loss of face of multiple family members, correct? Just, just like that, just by realizing that, 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 well, hang on in my world, no, no, no. In my world, I would have followed my own agenda and I didn't follow my own agenda. I realized that if I would, yeah. if I, if I were to do that, then I would indeed cause, well, harm or damage. If you want, I'm making some air quotes here, um, to the, to, well, to my family and to my in-laws as well. So I decided to stay. And, um, well, in my concept, it's throw away a whole afternoon. But that's, of course, that's not the point. I was, um, I, I, I kept up the relationship. So that's the, um, um, the, the, that's the, the thing. The, 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 it's, a, it's an easy segue when you talk about relationship. It's an easy segue to talk about nepotism. Um, I was going to look up what nepo, what a definition of nepotism is. I can't do that right now. Right now, I'm not going to do that right now. Nepotism is, um, in 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 my language at least, is the fact that you, um, if you have a job to give to someone else, you pick somebody from your own circle. Uh, ideally family, etc. So, and that is a very normal thing, not only in India, uh, but if you look, for instance, at the current ruler in Singapore, then he, he well, um, yeah, again, inherited, if you want, the, the, the top job from his father. That is perfectly normal in situations like that. So if I would be, uh, um, no, if I were to be, sorry for the English, if I were to be an, um, an Indian, and Peter, you would be my cousin. I would prefer giving the job to you than to giving it to, to give it to someone else who might even be better qualified. And this, in actual way, this swings both ways because um, uh, I have your preference for for picking somebody from my own circle, you in this case, Peter, and the other way around, as you being my nephew, for instance, you expect me to give you that job as well. And in the West, this is called nepotism. In the Western yeah. world, it happens, and it has happened as well, um, but it's frowned upon. And to give you just two examples, 
for example, um, the last uh, um, Trump government as well employed uh, some family members in quite high positions. And this is not something of recent time. So it's not something we can only we can pinpoint on on on, on ex-president Donald Trump only. But it also happened in the 60s when John F. Kennedy made Robert Kennedy. Um, what's it called again? Uh, Attorney General, right? That's the term. Yes. 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 So he, appointed, he appointed his direct brother, his younger brother, um, as attorney general. In other words, the highest in the in if you want the legal system, and that was like frowned upon. That was you should have a real good reason in the Western world if you actually hire a family member, and there are even and I think I think you you might have an example for that, Peter, um, from the United States. There are companies where it is forbidden to hire family members and that that you might actually um uh, how do you say sign a clause whereby you do not hire family members uh if you yeah. are in the in the position of of hiring these people because it would be a um a conflict of interest like that yeah 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 it, it is definitely frowned upon i think and, and i think probably in certain countries even more than others i i think the of course our background is the netherlands were dutch and I think it's probably even more frowned upon there than it is in the United States. You gave some examples about uh, the uh, Trump administration, but also in the past, the Kennedys, etc. Uh, so, but it, it also, I guess, it, nepotism, it's yes, family, but if you make it a little bit broader, it's also friends and, 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 yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and people who are close to you, right? So, for example, I, I, we were discussing earlier about what I felt in in corporate uh, in the corporate world in Europe as well as in corporate America is, are these I call them rings. Uh, so there there's a ring of people who are very close to each other. They go for drinks after work, and 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 one of those rings maybe clicks into another ring. So that's how you um, make um, make it in the corporate world. By you know if you want to move up the, the ladder, so so to speak, you need to be in one of those circles, and that circle maybe grabs you know, fits into another circle and then you move from one circle to the other, etc. If you're by yourself, uh, that's going to be uh, a problem. And of course, uh, when you talk about uh, cultures like India and, and other cultures that are very collectivistic and they have uh, a lot of nepotism, uh, that is even becoming uh, more the case. And what's important, of course, is when you are an employee in a culture like that and you want to uh, build a career, you better be aware of those circles or if you want to do business with India or other uh, cultures like that, so similar similar uh, in certain dimensions, and you are a vendor, for example, you want to sell something to that company, you better be aware of that as well because you might be talking to a somebody from procurement or maybe a marketing manager or somebody in the company and you're not aware that maybe you're already uh, maneuvering within that circle and now you want to sell your stuff and the decision maker comes in and you messed something up in that environment, now you're in trouble because uh, that circle will reject you, right? So uh, it is very important to be aware. And when we talk about awareness, and maybe this is a good bridge to, uh, to uh, like uh, language and body language, Chris, mm -hmm. is like you, awareness has also something to do with literally paying attention to what people do and how people act correct yeah no that's true that's 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 true there's there's one thing um uh, i'm gonna ask you to to distance yourself slightly from your microphone peter uh because you're okay. slightly slightly over modulating 
And that's something we cannot edit, edit out. I was in the meantime while you were while you were telling this, uh, I did to look up. I, I did look up a, a definition. Definition of nepotism is a form of favoritism which is granted to relatives in various fields, including business, politics, entertainment, sports, religion, and other activities. And the origin of the word nepotism comes from the the Latin word nepos, which means um, a cousin, a sibling or um uh or grandchild or something like that that's the origin of the word um nonetheless indeed when you talk about language and body language in this case when you when you talk about india it's hard to avoid the indian head shake and um i i call it the wobbly head shake it's that it's the head that goes from left to right um, if you go to the article, uh, Doing Business with India, on the website Culture Matters, you will see a short video, it's about a minute or two or something, where that is totally and completely explained what this head shake actually means. And, um, and, and sometimes you ask an Indian something, and they will, they will wobble the head. Um, and, and I don't mean that as being, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be silly, but it's the, it's the, it's the wobbling head, which means like, it, in a way, it's like yes, and um, it, it. But yes is not always a yes. A yes could be yes, I heard you, and or uh, yes, I will do it, or yes, I will try, and uh, so yes has many many meanings. And again, this is not only in India, but it's very important to realize this that that head shake is not always a yes. Now, I did an interview some years back with somebody who also has has or had a lot of experience with doing business with India. And this person asks then the Indian, um, so, but what do you say if it's no, if the answer is really no? Uh, what's the alternative to no? And then in, in a way, it brings a smile on my face. The answer to no is yes. Just, just say yeah. yes. You keep on saying yes. So it's important to realize that the, the yes is not always the yes. And again, you can find this on... Um, on the Culture Matters website, on the article, Doing Business with India, there's a short video there as well. What's your experience with that, Peter? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've seen it a couple of times in my uh, international travels. As, as you know, I, I've lived in, uh, in eight or nine countries, uh, and some of them definitely uh, collectivistic, and, uh, and the loss of face is very important. So the yes culture, I think, relates to that as well, right? So you don't say no. It might also be unpolite, but also loss of faces is part of it. True. Uh, so as, as a Dutchman especially, I think that's the, because the Dutchman is not shy to say no, uh, to say the least, right? I mean, even more so than, for example, the Americans. The Americans is not, it's in the United States, it's not a yes culture. Uh, but I think if a boss says, can you please do this, then overall the, uh, the answer would be positive, maybe with a comment or maybe with a suggestion. But in the Netherlands, for example, they say, again, I don't have time for that, or I think it's not a good idea at all, right? Yeah. Straight to your boss. True. So when I was in uh, some of those cultures, and uh, I had an idea, or, or we came together with, with an idea, or I wanted something done, or something needed to be done, uh, then I would receive a yes. And I was kind of like pleasantly surprised, almost like, well, I, I need some more business from those and those accounts. What is the plan? Can you please go after those five? And the answer was absolutely yes. Uh, and and but then it, it it turned out to be not necessarily a no, but nothing was happening. So I took it as a no, uh, and I didn't. I had trouble 
dealing with it. So for me, the yes culture is very, very difficult, especially if you're coming from a culture that's not a yes culture. Wow. So in terms of, of managing that, it's a management style, right? Now you have to apply a different management style. You now have to understand that maybe you're receiving a yes or you, maybe you're receiving a head nod or, or of some sort, so the body language piece of it, and you're thinking everything is fine, but it's not. So how... How about management style? What, 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 what to do really when you when you're in a yes culture and you need to get something done? Well, if we're comparing one with the other, and then and then and then let's let's make this a relative comparison between um, say, again the Western world, say the United States, Scandinavia, the Netherlands, the UK, yeah. Australia, something like take take these kind of countries where um, where hierarchy is relatively lowish. Um, so the management, the management style in those countries, in say in the U.S. in general, is okay. You are my boss, Peter. You give me an assignment, and I nod and I will say yes because I think I can do this, and then I will go ahead. And if I don't understand something, um, I will come back to you. I say, Peter, you talked about this, but how about that? I don't quite understand this. Can you explain this to me again? Well, it, it this is something that. Um, when it comes to managing an Indian team is something that many Westerns are very confused about because the Indian, the Indian who doesn't exist, but in general, we're talking here in general, the Indian will not come back to you as a boss and say, listen, boss, I, you, you explain, you said something, but I don't quite get it. He will, if you want, model through. Now, the way to approach this in a way from a Western standpoint is the, necess the necessity to adjust your management style. And adjust your management style, and 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 this is this is this is radio or audio, if you want. Um, so imagine a staircase, right? A staircase with with different uh, rungs on on a ladder or 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 the 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 staircase in and by itself. Now every rung or every step up would be a checkpoint, a control point, if you want. So it's not an official control point. It's not like okay, put on the table what you have at this moment. It is, it is, it's so-called informal inspection by the boss. So it's a soft way of saying, um, okay, Peter, uh, are you, are you getting on with, uh, with this? Is this, um, let, let me explain this to you a little bit more, maybe more in detail if, if, and when necessary. So these, the, the inspection moments are by far more, um, if you want necessary, not from the standpoint that Indians do not understand or that they're that they have are, are less intelligent. That's not the point. The point here is, is is that in reverse, they will not come back to you if they don't understand something. So, in other words, it's 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 the it's the active side of management that has to go through to not through but to the employee and make sure that. Um, uh, th that progress is being made because otherwise, if you don't do that, if you apply your Western style of management in an Indian environment, then what might happen, I'm not saying it will happen, but what might happen is that the end product, end product is totally not what you want. And then you wonder as a Western manager, like, why don't you come to me if you don't understand it? Yeah. Well, why don't, don't you? Because, well, that's called culture. Right, so you can have a good accountant, you can have a um, a good tax advisor, etc. But if you don't manage, if you don't understand the culture well, then then well, you're screwed in any case, or yeah. likely to be screwed. So again, being culturally competent is really important. Um, this this so much about management style. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, by the way, all the things that we just discussed, uh, Chris, oh, uh, and talking about collectivism and, and, and management style and the yes culture, uh, you know, I, I, I just, uh, last week I called a, a friend and a neighbor who was uh, from India, and I, uh, we were talking about this. Mm-hmm. And he basically endorsed uh, all, all the things uh, that we are now discussing. And he, he did mention, and of course, we, you know this and I know this, but maybe this is important for the audience also to kind of understand, but also to under, understand that we understand is that, of course, India itself is also very diverse, right? So it's a, it's a very, it's a large country. You cross borders of religion, you cross borders of language. Uh, so he was, he, was, uh, he was mentioning that he's actually from Goa. And he traveled around India and uh, he says, I, I crossed borders and I felt that I was entering another culture. So an, even another language that I couldn't understand. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the, but there is an overall culture in India. So all the things that we are talking about apply to the country as such. So that's, that's just as a side, side note here. Yeah, so, good point. yeah so, but, but talking about, again, management style and hierarchy. So we're talking about the dimensions, not specifically, we're not going into the dimensions specifically, each or one of them, but... I think we already talked about collectivism and hierarchy, etc. And sometimes um, we don't talk too much about decision making, and it's or it's confused with hierarchy. Yeah. So when we talk, when we have, when we talk about decision making, uh, it's not necessarily that uh, it's only about the boss. For example, I always have the same discussion with you, Chris, about the United States. For example, it's not very hierarchical, so it's similar to the Netherlands, for example. Not 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 a strong hierarchy. But I always felt that decisions are top-down. Uh, so what about India when it comes to decision-making? Yeah, good point indeed. Uh, by the way, uh, indeed, we're not talking about dimensions, as you mentioned, uh, in specifics, but we will do that during the webinar, the upcoming webinar on the 2nd of March, where you can still register by going to culturematters.com slash webinar. Um, and you can pause this podcast and do that right now. So at least you're registered so you got that because we have a limited number of seats available as well. Okay, so your question about decision-making. It's um, uh, typically if you take a country like uh, like the Netherlands or Scandinavia or, or the UK or, well, a low-scoring country on hierarchy, if you want. And in this during this webinar, we will show you some scores of some countries because in, in, in audio, you can't show that, right? It's audio. Um, So the chances are that when you are doing a negotiation as a Western with an Indian delegation or with your Indian delegation, that you will be greeted with the famous head shake in terms of, yes, we've heard you. Yes, this is an interesting proposal. Yes, um, uh, what you said, we understood as well. And yes, and this is something they will probably not tell you. Yes, we will take this to our boss here who will eventually take the decision. So it is, it's... Um, it's highly unlikely that when you're you're sitting with your Indian delegation and you're negotiating a certain contract, whatever it is, um, that you're not sitting around the table with the ultimate decision making. They will say yes, but they they again the yes is not always the yes. So your the, the 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 trick for you as a Western negotiating with an Indian or an Indian delegation is to make sure that you help this individual or this group of people that you're t- talking with, that you help them negotiate your proposal internally further as well, so that you give them tips and tricks and, and, and um, yeah, well, tips and tricks, I guess, and, and ways of, of convincing if, in the, if, I mean, 
supposing and, and assuming also that you have uh, something decent to sell, of course, uh, that you have the um, ability to help your 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 counterpart, if you want, negotiate whatever you're negotiating with and about to negotiate that internally further. So that's that's important how that goes. What you have, what examples or what what experience would you have, Peter, with this? Yeah, it relates, of course, to uh, status, right? So it's, it's status mm-hmm. is important in uh, in uh, in cultures such as India and uh, countries that are comparable uh, on the dimensions, uh, the uh, the cultural dimensions. Uh, so status, uh, and, it, and it translates sometimes in a lot of gatekeepers, right? So now you want to do business with uh, a certain company or a certain government entity. And, and uh, if you're not used to uh, that type of hierarchy or status-sensitive uh, uh, societies, you will be surprised about the amount of gate, gate, number of gatekeepers you will find <laughs> and, and where you have to work through. So I had, for example, uh, I, I did business and still do business with airlines and airports. And uh, at one point, I had to go to a large airport, actually a large airport in the United States, and I know the CEO of a, certain, a couple of airports, and I just basically called him directly or, or an email, said, hey, I'm coming over, and said, yes, okay, let's, let's have a coffee and talk about potential business. Well, in, 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 in another case uh, where, where there is a lot of status, uh, I had to go to multiple assistants to get the appointment when I arrived. Uh, somebody came to get me uh, and my some of my colleagues. Then we were in another waiting room. Then we went from the waiting room to somebody who was sit- literally s- sitting in front of the door uh, doing some more paperwork for us before we could enter the the, um, the office. And then, of course, there was a big office with a sofa and there was uh, somebody who, who was important. Mm-hmm. And if you're not used to that uh, or you don't recognize it or you kind of like brush it off or you don't respect it, uh, I think that will influence uh, of, uh, on your business. So I always try to get as high as possible into an organization, but sometimes you just have to go through uh, through through the steps, so to speak, right? Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. And indeed, like you 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 mentioned a word which is interesting as well. Um, status is, is, yes. is in, in, typically in a country like India. Status is really important. I know status to some extent is is important in the United States as well. Um, and in countries like Scandinavia and the Netherlands, status is really unimportant. Um, and, and for instance, status is unimportant in a country like the Netherlands that if you are, uh, say, a consultant and you go to a firm and you tend to drive a leased, of course, they're leased, Mercedes, and it's a bit of a bigger Mercedes, you sort of park it around the corner um, so your client cannot see the car because otherwise the Dutch client will think, oh, I'm paying too much for this guy because this guy is driving a car that is way too big for him. But in India, that's not the case. I've seen many situations whereby government officials, for instance, would be stuck as much as anybody else in, in traffic. And they would have these little flags, these little flags with, with little stars, and that would indicate that there's some sort of high-ranking high official. Um, so status in India is really important. So um, it, and, and it brings, status brings me to gift-giving. And um, my, my general rule of thumb, I'm sticking up my thumb here, uh, my general th- rule of thumb is if, if you can, stay away from gift giving. Um, I'm not saying uh, 
basically i'm saying just don't don't can stay away from it because for the simple reason is that probably you will not understand the rules and regulations well rules unofficial rules behind it the cultural rules behind it um the thing is if you for instance if you find out that your indian counterpart is a whiskey drinker uh, and, and indians are more whiskey drinkers than beer drinkers if you want at least that's my personal experience um, with Indians, then you don't give a gift uh, in terms of a Johnny Walker red label bottle because that is the lowest level of whiskey from the label Johnny Walker. At least you come up with a black label. And if you want to impress a little bit more, then you can go to for a green label or the blue or the green label. And, but the, 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 the tricky thing is with gift giving is, is that if you start to give, start giving gifts, then the next gift that has to, has to be higher, more bigger than the first gift. And that's the way it sort of pings back and forth. And, and again, an example from my, my personal, um, life, personal experience was during our, um, our Indian wedding that we had. We had an official Dutch wedding, then we had an Indian wedding as well is of course you get gifts as well from people and then all of a sudden we got a um a candle holder um and then my wife turned that turned to me and she said they don't like us and i said what do you mean they don't like us they give us a nice nice gift nah this is not a nice gift this is to show us that yeah we come but nah we're not really interested so there's a whole ritual there's a whole I don't know the story behind the story behind the story, if you want. Um, so be careful when you when you uh, engage in gift giving. And my advice uh, is to stay away from that. The other thing, um, and you mentioned it in terms of drinking, going for a cup of coffee. What you and I would do, Peter, we would go for a drink. At the end of the day, we would go for a drink. In general, Indians do not go for drinks. The concept of going for drinks is not really a concept, at least not in my experience. Indians go out to eat. And during that eating, they drink. So inviting an Indian for a drink is less effective than inviting an Indian for to have a bite and to have dinner. Um, this, which is most likely also the moment where indeed the business will happen. So Indians yeah. do not do not go out for drinks. No, they um, they go out to eat, and then oh yeah, they will drink. But the eating part that's that's the important thing as well. Yeah. And 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 the whole thing, of course, revolves around. Um, missing cues and not understanding and not being culturally competent, Peter. Yes, exactly. So that's the whole point, right? So the, the, when we talk about uh, what to tell a boss or understand the circles that they, they that there are circles and you're in the circle, not in the circle, on the head nod and uh, give gifts or not give gifts, etc. At the end of the day, these are all indications of something, and it's all about missing the clues or being not or being unaware of what's happening around you. Basically, what it means is that uh, you're, if, if you're missing those clues, you're uh, not aware of your own culture, so how you, stand, how you interact with that other culture. So you're just looking at, uh, at a hat nod, for example, as, okay, well, that's a yes. Uh, or you receive a gift and you think, oh, it's a nice gift, I will buy a bottle of uh, red label right so uh -huh. not 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 being aware that you miss all these little, little clues which can damage the relationship so i i act back to either it just popped up in my mind that of course in another culture that i worked in in, the, in mexico as well it was the same thing so you go out to lunch 
to build a relationship. And, uh, and it took me, uh, I was invited many, many times, and it was always late in the afternoon, two or three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> and the first hour was only some tequilas, some wine, then some some food at around three o'clock and at four o'clock finally the word came out like why are we sitting here together and it should be short there's all about the drinking and the eating and the friendship and the relationship and at the end of the day almost four or five o'clock imagine it was like okay what are we going to do right are we going in to do some business yes or no but you must have been starving by that time well, you mean there are, I mean, uh, the, the Mexicans will not starve and they will not starve you. Trust me. I mean, it's, uh, there, there will be stuff on the table. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, uh, that's, a, that, that's a given. But it's all about that awareness. And sometimes when I talk to people about this and uh, it's like, yeah, well, you get these cliche comments, right? Like, uh, do as the, when in Rome, do as the Romans do then. So you, you act like a Mexican. I always say, please don't do that. Please do not uh-huh. uh, act in, in, uh, as a Roman when you're in Rome. Just be yourself, but be aware. Because if you be, try to become a Roman or you try to become an Indian, you start to potentially, uh, what are you going to do? Reject the word label? Or are you going to do the hat nod as well? I mean, that's, that would be strange, right? And, that, and in fact, that can uh, damage the trust because now they feel that they're being uh, imitated or, or you're mimicking what they are doing. Exactly. So basically you should always bring it back to, am I aware of what's going around me? And so first of all, you have to be aware of your own culture, right? True. And this is, and this is, again, we're emphasizing this and maybe we haven't emphasized this enough during this podcast. Um, it's being culturally competent doesn't mean that you become an Indian. Uh, being culturally competent doesn't mean that you become a Mexican or a or Chinese or whatever. Being culturally competent means that you understand, as you say, Peter, very, very correctly, you understand your own culture, where do you come from? And you understand the other culture as well. So the, the sequence of events is, is that first you understand your own culture, then you understand the other culture, then you try to bring up some respect for the other culture, and then you work on your cultural competent skills. It's a skill you can learn. Um, we can help you with that at culturematters.com, which is also, by the way, the way to get in touch with us by going to culturematters.com, where there will be plenty of contact forms and plenty of other articles as well. Um, and whereby, finally, I want to, uh, again, point out that on this same topic, uh, we are going to do a presentation, which is called a webinar. And you can register for that uh, by going to culturematters.com slash webinar. It will be on the 2nd of March for those of you who are listening to this before the 2nd of March. If you're listening to this after the 2nd of March, you will be able to find this in um, as a downloadable file as well, because we're recording this as well in, uh, in our shop, if you want, which is culturematters.com slash shop. All right. Well, um, I'm wrapping it up because we are more or less, let me just check this, 37 minutes, uh, 34 or 38 minutes in this podcast. And I think it's time to wrap wrap up. So again, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, then please do so. You can do this in Stitcher, in Spotify and in iTunes. Well, when you're on iTunes, please leave us a review as well, because that would be good. The more reviews we we get, and the higher the rating you give us, the more people can actually benefit from um, information like this. The music you're listening to in the background comes from Ben Sound. You check them out at bensound.com. I am Chris Smith and... And I am Peter van der Linde. And this was the Culture Matter podcast on international business. Uh, we, will be, we will be back soon with uh, podcast 152. 
Yes, we haven't decided on the topic yet, but we'll let you know. Don't worry. Two weeks ago, by the way, in episode 150, we talked about, um, or we talked with rather, uh, Diana Singh on diversity and inclusion when it comes to culture and cultural differences. So make sure you check out that episode as well. This was it, Peter. Thanks for your contribution. I'm saying goodbye and we'll see each other hopefully at the webinar and if not um, on, on the next podcast. All right. Overlooking cultural differences when you're developing your business internationally can be the biggest mistake you can make. Let Chris and Peter help you avoid those mistakes. Get in touch now. Go to culturematters.com.